Welcome to the 6 Minute Abs podcast. My name is Abby, aka 6 Minute Abs, and I will be your host along this fitness and wellness journey. Join me as I share the ups and downs of my personal wellness ride and shed light on some exciting, adventurous, and at times outrageous health topics. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the 6 Minute Abs podcast. Today I have with me Dr. Hadley King, all the way from Florida, USA. Um, am I pronouncing your name right, Hadley? Yes, that's perfect. Okay, great. That's awesome. Sorry, I've just never seen that name before. It's so cool. <laughs> Thank you. It's a pleasure. Tell your parents I say good job. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Didn't like it as a kid, but very, very happy with it these days. <laughs> oh, that's great to hear. I didn't like mine either. I felt like I was an old woman. Oh, yours is so cute. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you as well. But yes, so Dr. King is a dermatologist from the great US, but I'll let her tell you a little bit more about herself and what she does. So can you tell me a bit about dermatology and your practice and everything that you do over there in the States? Yes. So um, I usually live in New York City. I'm, I'm in Florida just through this pandemic, but um, in New York City, I work in a few different places. Um, I have a uh, practice with another dermatologist um, in, on the Upper East Side of Manhattan where I do a combination of medical, surgical, and cosmetic dermatology. Um, I also teach there at Cornell, um, the dermatology residence. So that's um, all more academic and medical dermatology. And then I have my own very small private practice that's um, entirely cosmetic. And then also a few days a month, I travel to Northern Maine, a remote area there that does not have any dermatologists, and I provide uh, dermatologic care for the patients there. So um, that's entirely medical. We see a lot of um, psoriasis and skin cancer because it's an agrarian um, community, um, and so that's a that's a great part of the, the repertoire as well. Um, all, all different things in the different locations. So it, it keeps my job very interesting. Oh, that's awesome. So when you say, um, sorry, sorry, what did you say? The, 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 um, like plastic surgery, dermatology, cosmetic, cosmetic right. Dermatology. So what is that? So different from, um, plastic surgery, I'm not doing surgical facelifts or yeah. anything like that. It's more, um, injections like Botox and dermal oh, fillers okay. as, as well as use of lasers and chemical peels, radio frequency, ultrasound for tightening th procedures like that. Oh, okay. That's awesome. Wow. Okay. So today yeah. I've got Dr. King with me and we're going to be discussing the impact of COVID-19 and what it's having on people's skins. So furthermore, we're going to be touching on one of the most recent symptomatic developments of the virus, which now may indicate various rashes and a sign of having coronavirus. So without further ado, let's get to it, shall we? Sounds good. <laughs> okay, so Dr. King, are you fine with me calling you Dr. King first off? Yes, that's great. Thank you. Yes. Okay, awesome. Okay, so the first question that I've got for you is, what kind of effects do flu-like viruses tend to have on the skin, if any? Um, also, for example, like even though it's not a dermatopic disease, um, could we be developing complications such as contact dermatitis from excessive hygiene and all of that that we're practicing now during COVID-19? Yes, for sure. So I would say that that's the most common 
um, skin finding that's happening right now for, for all of us, you know, even, even those of us who aren't sick, but who are trying our hardest to not get sick. Um, we're practicing, you know, more hand hygiene than, 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 than we usually do. So that involves more hand washing as well as use of hand sanitizer. And both of these things can be drying to the skin of the hands. Um, so that makes it so important to, to use the moisturizers on a very regular basis. Um, so, um, you know, the alcohol content of hand sanitizers, it, it can be very drying. Um, and it's fine to look for formulations that have moisturizers in there as well. As long as the, the alcohol content is sufficient, um, it's fine if there are also moisturizers in there like glycerin or aloe vera. Um, so that helps some, um, but you still need to be moisturizing regularly. And same goes with the, with the hand soap. You know, it doesn't have to be a harsh hand soap. This is a virus we're dealing with that's not bacteria, so you don't have to buy antibacterial soap. It can be, as long as it's a, um, a soap that contains detergent, so a foaming cleanser, um, it's okay if there are moisturizers in there too. So it doesn't have to be harsh, but even just those products can still be quite drying. So it's important to, to be moisturizing um, after, after um, any, any washing and regularly throughout the day. Okay, awesome. So we are actually we seeing problems. Is that what you're saying? Um, yeah, definitely. Stuff. Yeah, the incidence of um, hand dermatitis or, or contact dermatitis on, on the hands has, has definitely been increasing. Um, lots of dryness there. Um, also, some hand sanitizers use um, essential oils, and that okay. can be a common cause of um, allergic contact dermatitis. So we've also been oh. seeing some of those. So if you have sensitive skin, um, you know, that's something to be aware of and read the ingredients to make sure you're not exposing yourself to something that's extra irritating to your skin. Okay, cool. And then just um, out of my own personal curiosity is I've heard the term contact dermatitis a lot. So specifically, like when I get my nails done, <laughs> um, the lady always <laughs> says, be careful not to get this on your hands. You'll get contact dermatitis. And I'm oh. like, okay, okay, I'll wash my hands. But is it something that like, <laughs> lasts forever or does it go away once the, the cause of the problem is removed? So if someone does develop contact dermatitis from over excessive hand washing, will they be able to get rid of it? Yes. So, right. Um, in, in most cases, um, contact dermatitis is, is a, a problem of limited duration, um, just depending on your exposure to the culprit. So um, there, are, there are two kinds of contact dermatitis. There's allergic contact dermatitis, meaning you've contacted something that you're specifically allergic to. So that would be um, the kind of contact dermatitis if you're allergic to an essential oil, for example. Okay. Um, and as long as you're not exposing your skin again to whatever is, is causing the reaction, then your skin will heal. It can take time, but it will heal. And the other kind of contact dermatitis is an irritant contact dermatitis. So that's more the case with hand washing. So it's not that you're allergic to the water or the soap. It's just that the action of it um, dries out your skin over time um, because of the detergents and the water. Oh, cool. Okay, I'm with you. All right. So the next thing that I've got for you is, um, so hand washing is one of the main things we we dealing with COVID with right now. Another thing that we've all kind of adopted is wearing the facial masks. And now I've got a question about that. So if you do wear a facial mask or a bandana for long periods of time, can that cause a skin irritation such as can it induce breakouts or any, any kind of like contact issue with the skin? 
Yes, uh, you're absolutely right. So the occlusive nature of the mask holds in our breath. So we're creating a warm, humid environment for the, the portion of the skin that's covered. And that can cause irritation, inflammation, um, and it can also affect sebum production, oil production. So it can contribute to, to breakouts as well. Um, so those are all possibilities. Um, so what I recommend is that people use a foaming cleanser before and after wearing the mask. And if you're noticing that um, you are getting more clogged pores and oily skin and breakouts, then you could, you could consider a cleanser that contains salicylic acid or a toner with salicylic acid. Um, it's a good ingredient that penetrates into pores and gently exfoliates as well as removes excess sebum. So um, it can be helpful for oily and acne prone skin and clogged pores. Um, otherwise, you just wanna keep any other products that you're using underneath the mask um, gentle. So um, a, a, a gentle moisturizer is a good idea to support the health of the skin barrier as much as possible to keep that robust. Um, but you don't want to be using anything heavy um, or potentially irritating or potentially comedogenic or meaning that it can clog pores. Um, so I would avoid, you know, any like heavy makeup or heavy moisturizers, oil-based oil moisturizers um, or active irritating ingredients um, uh, under the mask. I would avoid those. Oh, wow. Okay. That's quite hectic. Um, then another thing that I've heard about the mask, so that's... Basically, what you just told me is for us everyday folk, right? Right. Yes, okay. exactly. So another thing that I've heard is coming straight from doctors that I've seen on Facebook. I've seen lots of things coming up about doctors complaining about um, the pressure of the bands that they use to secure the mask behind their ears. So could this actually create pressure-induced skin injuries for them in the long run, or is it not that serious? It, it is possible, you know, some, some of these um, providers are wearing one mask for one, uh, an entire shift without getting breaks, and that can be many hours long. And, you know, when you're properly wearing um, an N95 type mask that fits your face well, it should be a bit tight. And so, yeah, you can definitely get friction, irritation, um, at any areas that rub and press. And yeah, that, that is one thing that's been seen is that the pressure irritation um, behind the ears. Uh, I, saw a, I saw a video on Instagram actually that showed just a very easy um, fix that could be helpful in some cases where, you know, if you're wearing the kind of mask that just has loops over the ears, um, you, you can take a paper clip and put, um, put it through both loops and so that's going to relieve the pressure from the behind your ears oh, um, and it's awesome. going to hold the band on behind your head instead yeah okay people are getting innovative right <laughs> exactly yeah we have to oh my goodness but i've got all the respect exactly. for doctors right now my goodness so do i and um yeah i i really I, it, such such heroic measures right now um as a dermatologist you know i'm I'm not as involved in that way, but my gosh, I, I'm so thankful and so grateful. Yeah, no, definitely. But okay, the next question I've got for you is a little bit lighter. So to come away from the heavy topics <laughs> of hospitals and such, 
Um, which Great. is more effective? This has always been in my head. Okay, so what is more effective? Washing your hands or hand sanitizer and why? Yes, good question. So hand washing is the most effective option. And that's because um, hand washing will re remove all types of germs. Okay. We also tend to scrub our hands more when we're, when we're washing. Um, so there have been studies that show that 30 seconds of scrubbing the hands with just water is actually um, completely helpful for, for removing bacteria and viruses, um, but certainly adding in, a, yeah, right? So, but adding in a um, detergent, a, a soap containing detergent for, um, you know, the guideline is 20 seconds at least, um, it removes all, all germs as well as dirt and chemicals. Um, so that just makes it a very effective way of cleansing. Uh, hand sanitizers, you know, yes, with the alcohol content um, at 60 to 70% um, does kill a high percentage of these germs, but it's not effective in removing dirt um, chemicals. And if the virus, let's say, is um, encased in mucus, it, it, it's not going to necessarily penetrate that and, and kill it either. So it, it's not as perfect. Um, so hand washing is really the most effective option. Um, but when that's not available, when you don't have access to soap and water, then, then hand sanitizing is the way to go. And, you know, our studies do show that al alcohol um, kills the coronavirus. So at, at, at least 60% um, alcohol. So that is, um, that is effective, but you know, if your hands are soiled, it won't be as effective and it's not removing dirt and chemicals. Um, and then, you know, there are certainly lots of hand sanitizers on the market that are not alcohol based. And all those, although those can be effective for some types of germs, it's really not tested for um, the coronavirus. So that's not recommended right now. So be careful that you read the label. Yeah, totally. We've actually reached a shortage of hand sanitizer. Like if you find that at the shops, it's like finding, I don't know, a panda or a unicorn or something. <laughs> Here as well. Yes. Really? Yeah. I, I, I found, um, I found someone's stock online and I was, I was pretty excited. So I ordered a bunch. Yeah. Yeah, no, luckily I was like a germaphobe before it was cool to be one. So <laughs> I had all of my hand sanitizer at home already. But yeah, right, no, it's nuts. It's absolutely crazy. But on that note, what does hand sanitizer do? I've always wondered this. Like you're saying that it doesn't remove dirt. That's what I've thought. Like, does it just disinfect the dirt basically on your hands and then you just shove it around your hands when you rub the hand sanitizer? That's right. So the way that alcohol works um, in the case of the coronavirus and, and with many viruses and bacteria is that the alcohol just dries out their their um their barrier their envelope that's that's around them and so that kills them um but again you know okay. if it's in case of mucus or something like that it, it's not getting to that envelope and so it's it's not effective and that's lovely to think about mucus in case <laughs> things on my hands <laughs> yes <laughs> all right so now with COVID-19 um being very skin related, you know, like it's transferred by a touch, we're washing our hands, all of that kind of good stuff. Um, would COVID-19 actually affect people with pre-existing skin diseases in more severe ways than people without it? So for example, once again, I'm going to use the hand washing example. Um, 
will that actually worsen someone's pre-existing skin condition such as eczema? Yes, for sure. Um, if, if you tend to have eczema and dry skin, then you're going to be are all the more susceptible to getting more dried out from hand washing and alcohol-based sanitizers. Um, so if you have that tendency, you know, all the more reason why you need to be using gentle products as much as possible and moisturizing, moisturizing, moisturizing. And then, um, you know, if you really develop an inflamed situation, you may need a, a topical corticosteroid as well to soothe the inflammation. Oh, okay. So that basically answers my next question, which I had for you, which is what are the other measures like that people can take to to clean their hands that aren't as kind of aggressive as the harsh soaps and whatnot but you you've answered that now. right so so yeah and just to say again you know it, it doesn't have to be a harsh soap it can be as long as it contains detergents it can be a gentle soap that also has moisturizers in it and same with the alcohol-based sanitizers that they can have moisturizers in there like aloe and glycerin um, as long as the alcohol content is sufficient. And then, of course, moisturize, 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 and look for a good, thick um, hand moisturizer that has um, emollients and occlusives, meaning you know, not just a light lotion that a couple minutes after you put it on, you can't tell that you put it on. You need some of the thicker ingredients like petrolatum or shea butter or coconut oil, something that's really going to help hold in the moisture. Okay. And then with regards to that kind of stuff, like hand sanitizer, not hand sanitizer, sorry, like body lotion and hand cream and stuff, um, is the simplest stuff better? The simpler body moisturizers? Yeah. So if, you know, like if it's got a lot of fragrance and a lot of color, like I've been told that that's not great. So um, is a simpler kind right. of hand cream, just like the basics, it's you know, it moisturizes your hands. It doesn't smell like anything really. Is that better for you? <laughs> right. You know, it, certainly it's going to depend on the person what they're sensitive to. So if you're not sensitive to fragrance, it's okay to use. But to make a blanket statement about what's going to be safest for the largest number of people, then yes, avoiding fragrance is good because some people will be sensitive to it and can get um, allergic contact dermatitis from it. Mm -hmm. um, so the key is that you want a product that contains um, the three important um, kinds of ingredients for a good moisturizer, um, humectants, emollients, and occlusives. So um, those are things that hydrate, support okay. the skin barrier, and hold in the moisture. So you need all of the above for the most effective kinds of moisturizers. And so products like dermatologists tend to love products like CeraVe and Cetaphil creams because they, they have all of those types of ingredients. So they do a great job of hydrating, supporting the skin barrier, and holding in the moisture as well. So, so yes, these are great products and they're very basic. Um, but certainly, you know, there are products that have more fragrance um, and different textures that will be effective too. But if I were going to make a blanket recommendation for everyone, yeah, keep it, keep it simple. Um, Aquaphor ointment that has petrolatum and lanolin is a great um, heavier choice. Cetaphil cream, um, CeraVe cream, these are all great choices. Oh, cool. Okay. And then, okay, with regards to the dry skin that we're experiencing, is this completely like 
caused by the, the type of cleaner that you're using on your hand or can it be caused by other things like the water being too hot or the water being too cold or, you know, are there any other tips that you can give to avoid dry skin? Um, yeah, just water by itself um, can be quite drying for the, for the skin, which may sound counterintuitive, but it's it true. It dries, it dries out the skin. <laughs> Yeah, right. Um, so um, it does not have to be hot water when you wash. Um, warm, lukewarm water is 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 fine. And um, you know, again, just don't look. It doesn't have to be a super harsh cleanser. It can be a, a one that contains moisturizers. Um, and um, yeah, just aim for around twenty seconds lukewarm water. Okay, cool. All right, and then with regards to the full body. Is there anything that we should be doing like full body care wise during this time to make sure that we, you know, both keeping ourselves clean whilst, because everyone's so focused on your hands, but surely if this disease can spread via skin, it's everywhere. So <laughs> are there any things that we should be doing right. for the whole body? Um, well, I think that, you know, the, the focus is on the hands primarily just because it's what we're touching everything with. Uh, we're not okay. in other parts of our skin. We're not touching as many things, but certainly they can come into contact. You're absolutely right. And so I think that, you know, if you've been in a situation where um, you think you, you may have potentially um, been exposed, um, then, you know, I think it's important to remove your clothing and to, to go ahead and, and, and shower. Um, there's been some talk about, you know, how long could this virus potentially live on hair, for example. Yeah, yeah. And that it's not a surface that's been tested, so I don't have a definite answer for that. But but the idea is, you know, yeah, it can make sense to, to, to pull your hair back or cover it with a hat um, so that it's not, you know, potentially contacting other surfaces and then, um, blowing into your face and uh, potentially infecting you that way it's you know how likely that scenario is to really happen i'm not sure but it's potentially it's a risk um and so again if you've been somewhere where you think you, you may have had exposure it makes sense to go ahead and, and shower and wash your hair too yeah okay because that's what i've been wondering this whole time we're all so concerned about our hands and i get it you know i'm not running around dragging my head on the floor like trying to pick up diseases <laughs> from everyone. But, you know, if somebody does sneeze near you, you've got a chance of something landing uh, on you. So, Absolutely. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's why we see the healthcare providers um, in the full um, getups, you know, covering the, the shields, covering their, their heads as much as possible and their hair back and um, gowns to, to cover everything because you're absolutely yeah. right. It can, it can be anywhere on us. And then we, we touch those areas and then we touch our face or the hair blows into our face, you know, all of these are potential risks. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, I'd remove, remove clothing, wash it, wash the body, wash the hair. Okay. Noted. Shall do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now recently I've seen um, articles popping up, which were really, really interesting. One specifically that I looked at came from ABC seven and it reported on a newly emerging skin rash that has like started surfacing among patients suffering from COVID-19. Now people have been developing symptoms resembling things such as hives, measles, and even frostbite-like rashes. So according to the report, one in five patients overseas were reported to show these symptoms. Now, if this is actually a symptom of COVID-19, 
could that change the virus from being solely a respiratory um, infecting virus to something completely different that we don't know about perhaps? Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting. And um, we're still learning about this, but you know, I think that the idea is when a virus infects the body, it is a systemic event, right? It's infecting yeah. um, lots of different kinds of cells of the body. That's why we get a systemic reaction, meaning a fever or chills. Um, it, it, it affects, you know, not, not just the lungs. Like, yes, this is a virus where the, the most common symptoms are, are lung related, but it, it is a, it's a systemic phenomenon. And um, the, the rashes that we're seeing so far are non-specific, so it's not like it's a specific. Oh, that 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 skin rashes um, means that you have COVID. It's not like that. It's it's similar to rashes that we see with other kinds of viruses, um, and it'll be interesting to see. You know, so far we don't know does it correlate with um, severity or the course. So far, you know, not not that that we've seen so far. But as we um, gather more data. It, Perhaps we'll find out more, um, but it, it can it can look different ways in different people. Um, the most common is just a like a red patchy rash, um, asymptomatic, not itchy. Um, but as you said, some people have also gotten hives. Um, I, there was one case of someone who got blisters, like chickenpox. Um, there are also signs that that things that we see. Um, with occlusion of small blood vessels in the skin. So that's the things that look like frostbite or um, petechiae, like little mm -hmm. tiny bruises in the skin or something called libido reticularis, which is a, a modeling of the skin. Um, but, but we don't know why, you know, what's causing this small blood vessel occlusion. It could be um, tiny blood clots or it can, could be um, immune complex mediated, meaning that it's related to our immune system's response to the virus um, that then can cause these skin findings. We're not sure yet, so um, so we have a lot more to learn. But um, you know, definitely, it's it's good that doctors are now aware that this is a finding that can um, be seen with COVID. Um, it it that helps avoid misdiagnoses, right? There was a um, there was a report of a case in China where someone um, showed up with just the rash. Um, okay. and fever, but not the respiratory symptoms yet. And they were diagnosed as having dengue fever, um, okay. which was not right. You know, after a time, they, they were, they figured out that this person had COVID, but, um, oh you know, having the awareness that these skin findings are, are seen can help us avoid misdiagnoses. Yeah, that's, that's quite something. But like you keep saying, it's so new. We don't actually have all of the information on this yet. So we all just learning as we go, really. Exactly, which is, of course, one of the, the the really challenging things about this pandemic is, yeah, we, we, we're definitely learning as we go. Yeah, you say challenging, I say terrifying, but I am a hypochondriac. <laughs> Agreed. <so>. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> definitely terrifying is a, a valid word. My goodness. But okay, so within South Africa right now, we currently in a state um, of shutdown. So all of our non-essential services have completely shut down and um, we're not allowed to go, basically, we're not allowed outside our houses unless it's to get complete essentials. 
So you can go to the grocery store, you can go to a medical practitioner, you can go to the hospital. But apart from that, you can't go outside your house. I can't even walk my dogs, basically. So are things similar right now in America? And how has this outbreak affected you as a practicing dermatologist? Um, Yes, and it does vary state to state exactly what the orders are. Um, But yes, a very large percentage of Americans right now um, have been instructed to stay at home um, for for non for all non-essential workers. so yes, as a dermatologist, I um, am not seeing patients in my practice because I, I, I really don't see a lot of um, emergency type cases. Um, some dermatologists are, are, are doing um, teledermatology. So certainly telemedicine in general is, is flourishing right now. Okay. Um, and that can be helpful um, in, in some cases with dermatology as well. Um, it, you know, obviously you can't do uh, procedural type visits. Um, and it's also really challenging to do something like a full body skin cancer check. But if someone has been, for example, on a medication for acne and they're coming back to, to let you know how they're doing on this current regimen and to decide if they need to tweak the regimen, you know, new, new prescriptions and like that, that can be easily handled through teledermatology. Okay. So it works for some sorts of visits and not great for other types of visits. Yeah. But obviously if this, if we do discover that COVID is actually skin-based as well, that, that will, surely that will change things, you know, in terms of you being an essential service then, right? Yeah, fair. In fact, I think that um, from some of the articles I was reading, it sounds like um, it was because some dermatologists who normally are not seeing, you know, very sick patients in the hospital, but because of the the, the current need for all hands on deck, um, some dermatologists were seeing sick, hospitalized COVID patients, and so they started noticing more of these skin findings. And so. Um, so, so yeah, yeah, definitely playing an important role there. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think that it, for now the skin findings are not specific, um, and they're not necessarily telling us anything about the prognosis or the course. So, um, it, and they're transient. It's not something that needs specific treatment. But, um, but, but you know, as we learn more, we'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll. That's all we can say. Hey. <laughs> Right, we'll right. See. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. So now, since one of the biggest ways to transmit the disease is through skin contact, um, how has that affected you as a as a dermatologist, or how will it affect you rather when you do go back to your practice? So, do you think you're going to have to um, introduce new preventative measures until things are completely under control? I do. You know, certainly hand hygiene has always been an important practice. That's nothing yeah. new, but I think that there will be extra attention um, paid to that. And, and I think I will um, be wearing a, a mask seeing patients, which is not something that's been typical for me. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's kind of shocked me how, <laughs> how few people were washing their hands before this whole situation. <laughs> well, Definitely, I was washing my hands, but there'll be there'll be more more emphasis on it for sure. Okay, that makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And then finally, to wrap things up, let's let's end things off on a on a much lighter note. So since we are at home, um, what are some of the completely self-indulgent things that people can do <laughs> with regards to home skincare routines? Yeah, great question. Uh, so I think that it's a great time to practice self-care, right? You know, it's good for our 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 mind and our body and our skin. So skin care is a, is a good form of self-care that we can indulge in right now. So that can, we have the time to, to be doing at-home masks, at-home chemical peels, um, things like that. Um, and it's also a great time to, to experiment with this, your skin regimen, you know, try that exfoliating um, wash that you were scared to try because you thought it may make you a little red and peely, or if you were trying to um, introduce a retinoid into your nightly routine, but we're afraid of the downtime as your skin adjusts, you know, we certainly have plenty of downtime right now. So I think it's a great time to experiment with new ingredients and indulge in self-care um, and just be safe about it. You know, don't do anything over aggressive, of course, um, keep everything sterile and, um, and, and, and don't buy medical grade chemical peels from sketchy sources online or anything like that. But otherwise it's a, it's a good time to, um, to try some of these, these products and see how your skin responds. Yeah. I was about to say, I've never heard of a home, a home chemical peel. I was like, what? <laughs> you can do that. <laughs> there's, there's some very light ones that are, that are safe to, to use at home, but no, we're not talking clinical grade. Um, don't, don't, don't buy those that are advertised online. Um, keep it safe. Okay. Yeah. So don't do that. You've heard the doctor. Don't go buy <laughs> some weird looking chemical peel online and do it yourself. Right. Exactly. Then you will um, become yeah. an essential service and have to come out. Exactly. You don't want to do anything that's going to put you at, in, in harm's way. So, so, so keep it very um, safe. But there, there are nice, you know, at home um, like chemical uh, scrub pads, for example, there's a brand name Skin Better Science that that I, I like. Their Alpha Red pads, um, lots of other similar products on the market. It's just for 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 light chemical exfoliation. Okay, that's amazing. Wow. Well, thank you so much for your time and for enlightening me on the COVID situation and how to look after myself during it. Thank you very much for inviting me. This is a great conversation. Okay, so there you have it, everybody. That was a great conversation in the words of Dr. Hadley King. It was such a pleasure to have her on the show as my first guest, and I hope that you guys enjoyed her. If you'd like to stay in touch with me during the week, get a hold of me on Instagram, which is six underscore minute underscore abs. Once again, the six is numeric. Um, you can go to my website, which is sixminuteabs.com. You can drop me a Gmail, which is sixminuteabs at gmail.com. Or you can follow me on Twitter, which is sixminuteabs. But yeah, I hope you guys have a great week and I will see you next Monday.